Heaven's going to be a wonderful place. No sorrow, no pain, no tears. It's going to be good. I am glad to be in church tonight. I enjoy being at church. I work here, so that's a good thing uh, that I enjoy it. Uh, I'm here almost every day. I love it. I've had a job every day since I turned 16. All of them have been fine. Uh, Each one was tailored to allow me to serve the Lord as I needed to and was able to. Uh, Now I get to serve him full time. And I can't think of anything greater than that. Uh, My son likes being in church. He's two. Um, I would bet his reasons for enjoying being here are a little bit different than ours. Uh, But I got home tonight. He was crying. He was upset. Uh, I think he had a diaper rash or something. He was mad. Um, He said, I want to go to church. Church is better. And uh, while his reasoning behind that might not be the same reasoning we would all follow, he was right. Church is better. Uh, And I'm glad to be here tonight. I appreciate the opportunity to speak. I'm glad we have a pastor who gives a chance to the young men of this church. Uh, I'm glad we have so many young men. Uh, A lot of churches don't have many people in the next generation. Uh, Either young folks aren't interested in going there or the churches aren't interested in having young people come in. Uh, But either way, I'm glad that the church we have here is a church for everybody, uh, where people of all ages can invest themselves and be invested in. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be in the book of Jonah. Uh, We're going to be in Jonah chapter 1 for like a second, Uh, and then just turn to Jonah. We'll be there. Uh, As I thought about it, the story of Jonah might be my favorite in the Bible. Uh, I don't know if it's because the book of Jonah is short, or if it's a seemingly simple story, uh, or if it's because it's the only veggie tale I saw when I was a kid. Um, But I've always enjoyed the story of Jonah. To me, Jonah has felt a bit more relatable than other Bible characters. I, I feel like, you know, we look at giants of the faith like Moses and David and Peter, and they're such colossal figures in the Bible that at times they can seem mythical. They can seem unattainable. I've never led millions. I've never killed a giant with a rock. I've never walked on water even for a moment. We see these heroes of faith, and we can easily think, I could never. Uh, Not that these weren't flawed men and sinners themselves uh, and only elevated because of their faith in God, but Jonah's always seemed a bit more human. Uh, His flaws are on display for the entirety of his story. You can't get away from that. I think it's Jonah's prominent flaws that make him maybe a bit more, uh, a bit easier to see ourselves in him. I don't know about you, I would bet most people when they think of Jonah, the first thing they think of isn't the massive revival that he preached in Nineveh. A revival so great that they made their animals fast and wear sackcloth. Uh, They think of his bad attitude at the beginning of his story. They think of a whale. They might think of his bad attitude at the end of his story. You might think that Jonah is a kid's story. Uh, I find that in the book of Jonah there's a lot to learn about him. There's a lot to learn about mankind and even more so a lot to learn about God. And then tonight we're going to take a look at a character trait of God, what that means for man. So we're in Jonah, we're in chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. 
For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed round about me. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever, yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and mine prayer came unto thee into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. Chapter 3, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Up to this point in Jonah's life is an extremely familiar story. Uh, it's a classic children's story. God had personally called Jonah. The Bible says that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. So he personally called Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it. And Jonah didn't want to go. I get it. Uh, Nineveh is in modern-day Iraq. It's the capital of the Assyrian Empire. They worshipped Assyrian gods. They wouldn't have been all that accepting of the God of the Bible. And Jonah didn't want to go. It's not the friendliest place. I get it. Jonah tried to run from his task. The Bible says he tried to run from the presence of the Lord. Jonah gets on a ship heading the opposite direction. He heads to Tarshish, and he finds himself in a storm. And I would bet, though this isn't the point of the message tonight, Jonah is not the only one to find himself in a storm of his own making. I know I've been in storms of my own making. And to be honest, I know when they're of my own making. I'm not the only one who's found myself in big trouble, and it's been no fault but my own. I bet I'm not the only one who knew what God wanted and didn't do it, and found that my disobedience was a lot harder than what God wanted in the first place. Jonah found that out. He admits his wrongdoing, he has himself thrown into the sea, and he gets swallowed by a great fish. No one has a fishing story to beat that. I don't like fishing. Uh, when I eat fish, I don't breathe that well, so, you know, fish don't like me either. You might have caught some big fish, but a big fish has never caught you, right? You can't beat Jonah's story. Jonah's here, he's in the belly of the fish, and he prays to God. Uh, in, in verse 1, or excuse me, chapter 1, verse 17, now, Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah's in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. He's been in the fish's belly for three days and three nights, and he finally calls out to God. Jonah knew why he was there. He knew how he got there. He knew it was because of his direct disobedience of God, him trying to run from God's will. And he cries out when he finds himself as low as he could go. Verse 2, the Bible says, and said, this is Jonah speaking, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardst my voice. Jonah cries out because of where he's found himself, and God hears him. He says, the Lord heard me. Jonah had originally tried to run from the presence of an omnipresent God, 
He failed. And he remembers that God's with him wherever he goes. God was on the ship that Jonah was thrown off of. God would have been in Tarshish. And God was with Jonah in the fish's belly. Right? In spite of Jonah trying to run from God, God never ran from Jonah. God was present wherever he went. Jonah calls out from the fish's belly and God hears him. And we're not going to reread the entire prayer from Jonah. It's long. It can be hard to follow. And it's not what the message is about tonight. But I'll summarize. In verses 2 through 5, he acknowledges his disobedience and where that disobedience had gotten him. And he cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, thou heardst my voice. Jonah knows he's in big trouble. He knows he's as low as he could be. He's the lowest point of his life, literally, physically, spiritually, he's ever been. He's in the depths of the sea. Jonah then acknowledges God's favor to him. It acknowledges that it's by God alone he is still alive and that he needs to turn back to the Lord. Jonah repents of his sin. He says he'll do what God called him to do. And one of my favorite parts of this story is verse 10. The Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. I think that's super funny. The fish pukes Jonah up. Uh, It's interesting, Jonah bore the effects of his sin, at least for a moment. He didn't didn't come out of there clean. Uh, I've never been vomited up, but I have been vomited on. Uh, And I'm not talking about, like, baby spit up, right? I got two kids. They spit up a lot. Uh, The one doesn't anymore, but he did. Uh, But when I was in high school, we went to Universal Studios theme park in Florida on a field trip. Uh, I got on a roller coaster with loops, and I went into the loop, and I was clean, and I came out of the loop, and I was unclean, and it wasn't mine. Uh, I washed up, but for the rest of the day, you could still tell. But I bore the markers of that incident for the rest of the day. Uh, Jonah wasn't just vomited on, he was the vomit. Right? Jonah was nasty. He would have borne the mark of this disobedience at least for a little while. And all of this is great and familiar and there's plenty to unpack, but none of it's the focus of the message tonight. Everything so far goes to show how low Jonah had sunken at this point in his life. He'd run from God. Uh, he, he failed. He tried to get away. He got thrown off a ship, probably expected to drown in the sea. Uh, but that wasn't God's plan. He gets eaten by a fish. Uh, that's certainly not what Jonah had uh, expected, right? Um, imagine that, right? You're swimming along, and this fish just comes up and swallows you, right? Not what you expected your day to be like, and certainly not how you expect to die. Jonah spends three days, three nights in the belly of the fish, and he's puked up onto dry land. And in his prayer, Jonah had said the Lord heard him, uh, but how do we know that for sure? Right? How do we know that the Lord heard everything that Jonah had said that the Lord had heard Jonah's repentance, his acknowledgement of his sin. Chapter 3, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. We know that God heard Jonah's prayer because the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He didn't ignore him. 
He didn't miss the call. The first thing we see tonight, this character trait of God, is that God is a God of second chances. The word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. God wasn't done. He had more for Jonah. He hadn't given up on Jonah. Jonah wanted nothing to do with God's will. Uh, He ran from God's will. He tried to run from God's presence. Jonah had an opportunity to, to pray and to speak with God when God came to him the first time, but the Bible doesn't record Jonah doing that. The Bible tells us that the Lord uh, came to Jonah, told him to go to Nineveh, and Jonah just ran. He didn't contest it. He didn't argue with God. He ran. He had an opportunity to pray when he was on the ship before he was thrown overboard, and he doesn't do it then either. And Jonah still didn't reach out to God until he'd been in the belly of the fish for three days. I don't know what happens when you imagine being slowly digested, uh, but it, apparently Jonah expected that to happen for a couple days. Right? He waits three days to speak out to God, cry out to God, and after missed after opportunity and missed opportunity, Jonah finally humbled himself, he repented, and he got right with the Lord. And then the fish spits him out in the direction he's needing to go. Jonah is sitting there on the dry land and the word of the Lord comes to him a second time and calls him to his task again. When Jonah took the steps toward God, God met Jonah. Jonah didn't go all the way to Nineveh before God spoke to him again. It doesn't seem to indicate that Jonah sat around and waited too long, but that Jonah was vomited out of the whale onto the dry land, and the Lord comes to him a second time. God came to meet with Jonah to renew his prophet, to restore his prophet and renew the prophet's mission. Jonah took the first step, and God came to meet him. God gives second chances. God's interested in restoring people. This real-life example of Jonah echoes another story from the New Testament. If you would uh, keep a finger here, But turn to Luke 15. It'll be in Luke 15. It's another pretty familiar story. It's often called the prodigal son or the faithful father. Whatever you want to call it, it teaches the same message. Jesus is giving a parable about a son who's left his father, left his home for riotous living. And the son spent all he had and he was so low that he was jealous of the pigs that he was feeding and wished he had their food. He was jealous of a pig. That's how low this man's gotten. He was about as low as he could get. In Luke 15, verse 17, the Bible says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Like Jonah, the son in this parable sees where his decisions have led him. He sees how low his life is now. He repents and he makes a plan to go back to his father. Then we get to verse 20. And he arose, this is the prodigal son, the the man that, that left his home, left his father. He arose, he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. 
The father didn't wait for the son to get all the way back to him. The father in the story runs to meet the son, and he pictures the faithfulness of our heavenly father. Just as Jonah had to make a step back towards God before the Lord ran to meet him, the prodigal son here pictures the exact same thing and having to make a short step back to his father. He had to rise up on his own. He had to repent on his own. But once he made a step back toward his father, his father ran to meet him. The son, in response to the realization of his state, he starts to go to his father and the father runs, meets him. We know how the rest of the parable goes. The father welcomes his son back. He restores him. The father's faithful. He's glad his son has returned and he gives him a second chance. God gives second chances. Jesus teaches this parable on the heels of the parable of the lost sheep, where the shepherd leaves his 99 to find the one that's lost, the one sheep that's gone astray, and the parable of the lost coin, where a woman loses one of her ten coins and diligently searches for it. And all three of these parables end with restoration and rejoicing. Jesus is teaching in each of these stories the same thing we observed with Jonah, that God sees his children this way, as worth going after. I've got two boys. They're little. They don't really do anything yet. But I can't think of anything that would cause me to write them off. There's plenty they could do that would break my heart. Plenty they could do that would hurt me. Uh, one son bit me in the face. Um, I got over it. Uh, but I can't think of anything that would cause me to stop loving those boys. I can't think of anything I wouldn't do for my kids. And how much more is our Heavenly Father this way? Someone recently asked me about uh, being a parent. I don't remember what they asked, if I like it or something. And... Uh, I remember my, my first thought was, I, I didn't know you could be this happy. How much more pleasing are we to our Heavenly Father? I love my boys, they make me happy. But how much more perfect is our Heavenly Father's love towards us? Now, aren't you glad tonight that God gives second chances? There's not a person in here who hasn't needed one. So often, we ourselves are quick to write people off after one offense, uh, even a minor one. Uh, If someone crosses us in the slightest way, we're ready to cut them off entirely. We get mad when our order's messed up at the restaurant. We're never going back there. Maybe not everyone's like this, but I bet each of us can think of people that we don't want to give any more chances to. We might not admit it. Maybe you're more mature than that. But I would bet at least at one point in our life, each of us have had someone that we've given up on. God doesn't work that way. God's much more gracious, much more forgiving than that, much more gracious and forgiving than us. Psalm 145, verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Slow to anger and of great mercy. God is full of compassion. He's of great mercy. He's not quick to write everybody off. He didn't with Jonah. He didn't with you. He doesn't want to write you off. 
Right? God doesn't run to meet his, his wayward children because he wants to leave them behind. God doesn't want to write people off. He wants to give a second chance to those who's failed. He wants to extend his mercy. You know, tonight if you're saved, God has given you a second chance. If you're saved, God has given you that redemption. If you aren't saved, God wants to give you that second chance. He wants to give you a new life. He didn't send his son to die for no reason. If you are saved and you're away from the Lord or trending that way, God wants to give you a second chance. He wants to give you a way back. Some people think that God doesn't want anything to do with them. Either they they think so low of themselves or they've gotten to a point in their life where they think that they're too far, uh, too far gone from God's will, too far into sin. And uh, if there's breath in your lungs, God's not done. God isn't quick to write you off. I don't know how patient God is, but I haven't found the end of it yet. God gives second chances. He's given each of us a second chance in some way or another. What do we do with it? We go back to Jonah. You know, God gave Jonah a second chance, and the story doesn't end there. Jonah does something. Jonah 3, verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Notice, God gives Jonah the same task. He didn't give him a watered-down version of it. He didn't tell Jonah he was too broken to do what he had originally called him to do. God had fully restored Jonah to the task he'd called him to. Verse 3, So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. What does Jonah do in response to the second chance God's given him? He serves the Lord. God calls him back to Nineveh. The Bible says Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh. This is the opposite of what he did the first time. First time Jonah arose and he ran. He went to Joppa, then he was trying to go to Tarshish. But this time, when he sees God's redemption, he sees the second chance that the Lord's given him, he arises and he serves the Lord. God gave Jonah a second chance and he used it to do God's will. And more specifically, he shared that second chance with others. God came to Jonah a second time, he calls him to Nineveh. He doesn't just tell Jonah that he's not finished with Jonah, but he's not finished with Nineveh either. There was a lost and a wicked people that God still wanted to reach out to. And he wanted to use Jonah to do it. And this time Jonah did. Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh to cry against it. He went to preach as the Lord had called him to do. God gave Jonah a second chance. He gave him a redemption and he shared that redemption with others. What happens? Nineveh is a wicked city. Not a welcoming city. Not one that worships God. 
Nineveh is a good picture of the world. What happens when Jonah goes? Verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them. The whole city believed God. Jonah extended that second chance to Nineveh, the second chance that God gave him, the redemption that God gave him. Jonah extends that to Nineveh. Nineveh gets saved. Jonah had already written Nineveh off before he'd started. He had no desire to go. They're not going to listen. They're too far gone. They don't care about our God. When God first called Jonah to Nineveh to cry against the city and warn of God's judgment, Jonah didn't want to do it. He ran the other way. And this time, Jonah takes the same redemption that God offered him and leads the whole city to the Lord. They made their animals fast. It's a pretty big revival. Look, when my pets don't eat, it's just because I forgot. It's not to sanctify them to the Lord. Right? These people were serious. They made their, their animals fast. They made their animals wear sackcloth. They wanted their animals to repent. They responded well to the message. This message from Jonah, the redemptive and restorative God that we have, is not something we're supposed to keep to ourselves. Just as Jonah was supposed to go to a lost and a wicked city, we're supposed to go to a lost and a wicked world. We're not supposed to keep it to ourselves. Uh, turn to Matthew 5, if you would. The Bible says in verse 14, Matthew 5, 14, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light, giveth light unto all that are in the house. We aren't supposed to hide the message of God away. Christian people are supposed to share God's message of redemption with a lost world. We're supposed to take it to our Nineveh. We're not supposed to hide it away, keep it to ourselves. We should set that light on a candlestick and give light to all that are in the house. We need to tell people about Christ. We're supposed to tell people about Christ. It's not just someone else's job. We lament the state of the world. We lament the way lost people act. Uh, but what do we do about it besides complain? Look, I like complaining. I get it. But what else do we do? Do we share the gospel with a world that's on its way to hell? Or do we just complain? A legend tells that when Rome burned, the emperor Nero played his fiddle. And while I think there's some factual concerns there, I don't think the fiddle was invented, uh, the, the message behind that legend is that Nero neglected his people while the city burned to its doom. Let's not do the same thing. Let's not stay in our Christian ivory towers, saddened or angry about all that goes on in the world, and keep the antidote, the cure for men's sin sickness, to ourselves. 
Let's share that our God gives redemption. Even to people we don't like. People who do things we don't like. People who aren't like us. You know, I don't know where this message finds you tonight. I hope God spoke to your heart about something. Perhaps you need that second chance. Maybe you're away from God or you're trending in that direction and you need to take a step back toward the Lord who saved you. He'll run to meet you. Maybe you need a reminder of all the second chances God has given you and you need to be thankful for them. I can't think of how many things God's needed to forgive me for. I can't think of how many things other people have needed to forgive me for. Maybe you need to share what God's done in your life with someone else. You need to be serious about telling the lost about Christ. They're not going to get saved if they don't hear about them. Maybe you simply need to give someone else a second chance in your life. I know I've needed plenty. You have too. Maybe there's someone you need to just cut a break. Maybe you're the one who's lost and you need to ask God for that second chance yourself. If that's the case, I encourage you to take care of that. But I do hope God spoke to your heart about something, and if he did, I hope that you would respond to it. Brother Wallace.